You are listening to Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future with Naomi Brockwell. Be wary of Chrome extensions. Experts say they are hotspots for hackers. You know that hilarious browser extension you installed that changes every photo you see to a picture of Nicolas Cage? Or that helpful extension that autofills your passwords or blocks advertisements? You may install an extension because you think it's useful, but in reality, you could be at severe risk of having all your activities monitored, your data sold, or even your passwords stolen. There's a light side and a dark side to browser extensions, and in this video, we're going to explain how browser extensions work, why they can be a lot more dangerous than people realize, and how to use them safely. We're also going to dive into the history of browser extensions and plugins. So if you're just interested in the dangers, feel free to skip ahead. Let's start by understanding what a browser extension is. It's a small piece of software that allows you to customize your web browser. It can add extra features, let you control how websites load or behave. You can place them as little icons in your browser toolbar, and they can find coupons, correct your grammar, or even do amusing things like leave a trail of sparkles behind your cursor. They're a very popular way of getting more functionality from your browser. The browser is not doing enough for what I wanted to do, and so I want to add more capabilities. Pete Snyder is a senior privacy researcher at Brave Software, and he explained to me that there are various ways to augment a browser's capabilities. Browser plugins and browser extensions are two of the best known ways, and many people use the terms interchangeably. But as probably probably important right at the start of this video to explain that they're actually separate types of software modules used for different reasons. Plugins were usually websites wanting to get new capabilities and extensions are largely users wanting to get more capabilities. Now largely a relic of the past, browser plugins would allow websites to deliver content that the browser wasn't designed to process. So for example, in the early days, GIFs and JPEGs were usually automatically displayed by the browser. But for other file types like videos or music, you'd need a plugin and the website would display a message like, you need to install Flash Player on this site. Once you installed it, that plugin would also get like a little chunk of the, of the browser space to do whatever they wanted. That space or small window on the website would be isolated from the rest of the page. The browser didn't know what was going on inside the plugin, and the plugin didn't know what was going on inside the browser but they were in the same memory space. This had big security concerns. Allowing a website to execute code that the browser didn't have control over was way too permissive. Also, because the plugin shared memory space with the browser, it could get access to your cookies and your login information and all this kind of stuff. So go to a rogue website that uses something like Flash Player and suddenly that website could steal all kinds of data from you. Most browsers have now stopped supporting plugins entirely because there were way too many any security concerns, and a new way of augmenting browser capabilities that was less permissive was created, called an extension. But the use case also shifted here. Previously, it was primarily websites who wanted more ways to deliver content to users. Now users were looking for more ways to customize their experience with websites. We were extending the browser to provide some features that browser manufacturers were not 
interested in providing. Jean-Paul Schmetz is the CEO at Ghostery, a well-known browser extension that helps people see how websites are tracking them. He explained to me how extensions led to a real blossoming of innovation for the internet. Internet Explorer first started supporting extensions in 1999, and there were specialized toolbars that could display things like a stock ticker. Then, starting in the mid-2000s, Mozilla joined the fun and the party really got started. Firefox allowed developers to essentially build upon the Firefox browser and extend it. At first, this was mainly driven by necessity. Extensions would do things like print in PDF or they would allow you to download videos when streaming was not exactly a comfortable experience or would do ad blocking or would do anti-tracking. Mozilla Firefox was the new cool browser at the time. And when they started supporting extensions, the popularity of extensions exploded. Firefox was the leader in extensions. You have something that's really big already and that everyone is using and then you put something on top of it. That created a wave of innovation. But these early browser extensions were still too permissive. Extensions were, in the beginning of times, basically completely free to use every feature of the browser and modify them as they wish. Uh, but obviously that can create security issues and even performance issues. So uh, all of these interfaces have been standardized. Standardized so that the ways extensions would interact with websites and browsers were more restrictive. Instead of giving it brute access basically to the, to the website, we're going to give it some very strictly controlled APIs that extensions can use to modify the page or modify the user experience. But we're going to kind of keep them in these sandboxes and they don't get access to, to process memory. API stands for Application Programming Interface, and it's a way for computer programs to communicate with each other. In theory, these APIs provide a limited scope for how the extension can interact with the browser and the website. In reality, the limit on what an extension can do is basically whatever it's asked to do. There's extension APIs that allow for like intercepting network requests. There's an API that allow extensions to inject code into websites. Um, there's an extension API for interacting with devices and hardware keys and a gazillion other things that you can think of as well. You may think that you're installing an extension for a very limited purpose, but... Because of the privacy model of the web, it's very difficult to say you can do these narrow things but not an enormous number of other things because to the browser those are indistinguishable. This means that the scope of all things that browser extensions can do is pretty wide. Ivan Kvyatkovsky is a senior security researcher at Kaspersky who points out that most extensions require the ability to read and change all data on the websites you visit in order to work. They present you with this big list of things they need to be doing and it's I believe either take it or leave it. In some ways, those permissions buttons do restrict extension behavior, but in other ways, it's just security theater because most of us go ahead and click that accept button without even realizing what we're enabling. So let's explicitly lay it out. What are we actually allowing most extensions to do? The browser extension is going to be able to modify the pages that you're looking at, which means that they can add code in those pages that will steal your passwords or steal whatever you are typing inside of them, steal your cookies. You're enabling them to potentially log keystrokes, to track your browsing history, which they can then sell to advertisers, to insert ads into the pages you visit, to reroute your traffic. The limit is your imagination. Download an innocent looking extension that replaces every instance of the word Kardashian with the word Hobbit, and you may actually be giving away the keys to your digital kingdom. Does this mean that every extension you give permissions to is stealing your passwords? Of course not. 
but the fact that you've given them the ability to should make you very wary. Let's go over five risk models of extensions, starting with outright malicious extensions. These are far more common than most people realize. In 2020, one study revealed 33 million downloads of malicious extensions that they traced back to just one company. Another report that year uncovered 500 different malicious Chrome extensions. Browser extensions can be a particularly dangerous threat because it's hard for antivirus safeguards to detect malicious activity when it comes from inside a browser. On top of that, once installed, browser extensions update themselves. This means that they can switch out the code that's been installed on your computer at any given time without the user even knowing. But spotting a malicious extension isn't always so easy. It might pretend to do one thing, but it actually ends up it's doing something else. It's crypto mining on your browser or it's stealing your passwords or injecting ads into pages. It's not that hard to imagine that a browser extension could be added to your browser by a malicious person that would like change every series of numbers that looks like a bank account or a Bitcoin address but in order to lure you into doing a wire transfer to the wrong person. Now, not all extensions have to be deliberately malicious to be dangerous. A second risk model is where hackers get access to the code base of an extension. In 2017, Chris Pederick, maker of the popular web developer for Chrome extension, fell victim to a phishing scam. Hackers took over the extension, which started to inject ads into browsers and run malicious JavaScript for its 1 million plus users. A third risk model is an extension that gets sold and repurposed. You might install, let's say, a coupon code extension. Then tomorrow, a large company purchases it or a malicious party purchases it. Now that extension, instead of just blocking requests, maybe is injecting ads in pages or a, a common example is using your computer to mine cryptocurrency. The popular YouTube extension Particle, which allowed users to change YouTube's user interface, was purchased and the new owner immediately turned it into adware. An extension being or turning malicious is a totally real-world concern. A fourth threat model is where an extension does exactly what they say they'll do, but the user just didn't realize what they were signing up for. Like an extension that offers you discounts and checkout codes, but... The reason they, they can do that is because they are looking at your browsing history and they can see the sites you used to visit and the sites you do visit, and they can sell that to advertisers. Your cool extension that's saving you money might be able to do this because it's selling all your data. The final risk model that we'll mention is when... An extension might be totally well-intentioned and well meaning. But it just isn't well executed and the developer doesn't have the technical capability to keep the extension safe. A poorly built extension can unintentionally harm user security and harm user privacy. So given all these different threat models, should people avoid all browser extensions? Not necessarily. You can also use browser extensions to make your browser a lot safer. There are a number of very good browser extensions that are developed by privacy-conscious NGOs like the EFF. And the work that they're doing is really good. For example, password managers, which are super important, often come in the form of browser extensions. I don't think the thing to take away from that is don't use a password manager. A well-written password manager is going to keep things encrypted at rest, and it's going to make sure that pages can't like just arbitrarily query your, your password database for you. So you should absolutely use a password manager, even if it comes in the form of an extension. Certainly better than not using a password manager at all. There are also other well-regarded privacy extensions like uBlock Origin or from EFF, there's Privacy Badger. This one will automatically block a number, if not all trackers that you encounter while browsing the internet. And we also mentioned another well-known extension at the start called Ghostery. We make sure that you can see what's happening under the 
uh, website that you are viewing. Unfortunately, a lot of these things are not visible. And these are the trackers. These are the little scripts that send back to Google, Microsoft saying, oh, there's this user with this IP address and this cookie and this has just done this. I just clicked on that product, has just looked at this, etc. We detect that, we make it visible, and then we block it if the user wants us to block it, which obviously most of them do. Some browsers like Brave will block trackers and other things by default. But if your browser doesn't do this and you don't want to switch browser, then adding privacy extensions can be really important. One thing to keep in mind, though, is that you don't necessarily want to install everything you find. More privacy extensions doesn't necessarily mean more privacy. Browsers like Firefox, Brave, and Tor work hard at trying to protect you by blocking browser fingerprinting. You very likely are undoing some of those protections by throwing a whole bunch of customizations on top of the browser. Extensions are, are the easiest way to shoot yourself in the foot doing that. If you're just using one extension that's really popular, let's say you block Origin, then there's not as much danger because you're still blending in with a large group of all the other people who also have uBlock Origin. But if you also add a password manager like Bitwarden, now you're part of a smaller group that has both uBlock Origin and Bitwarden installed. The more extensions you add, you're pretty quickly becoming a party of one. By installing more extensions to try to be more private, you actually end up sticking out very uniquely. So what are the best ways to stay safe when installing extensions? First, you should ask whether you really need to install that extension in the first place. It's like giving out keys to your front door. There might be one or two people you feel you could trust with those keys, but you definitely don't want to hand them out to everyone. Find a browser that already has the features that you're looking for built in by default, or decide whether you really need the tools that that extension is offering. Next, do your research and make sure that you really trust the developers of an extension before installing it. Just assume that any browser extension you install will have full control over your browser. If you are going to install one, then you better be sure it comes from a reputable source. If you do have an extension installed, grant it the least privilege needed. For example, you'll be asked to choose when the extension is allowed to operate, and you can pick either on all sites, on this particular site, or when you click the extension. Whenever possible, have the extension only operate when it's clicked, so that it's not reading your content at all times. I would be cautious about installing any high-privileged um, low vetted software in general. And finally, delete any unused extensions. If you got a bunch of ones that you, you can't really remember where they came from or there's not that many people using them, that's a reason to kind of keep yourself an audit. Extensions can sure be fun, but like a Trojan horse, behind that exciting exterior, a whole bunch of trouble might be hiding and just waiting to get into your computer. There are some awesome extensions out there that can make your browsing experience better and safer. Just make sure that you understand what you're doing before diving in. I'm a Bitcoin fan and I'm scared.